Hey everybody, this is Rodney Smith. I want to thank you for being here. If you have a heartwarming story, a supernatural experience, a revelation or a dream that you want to share on the podcast, please email me at rjajsmith77 at iCloud.com. I'd love to hear from you. And hopefully we can even have you here on the podcast to share that with the rest of the world. With all that being said, let's jump right into the episode, guys. Okay, what does it sound like where I'm at? It's pretty good. Randy, how about where you're at? Well, this is the way I'm going to talk when we're just talking, but if the ghost gets a hold of me, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I can be shouting before it's all done, so is it good the way it is now? Nick, I can turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> a little background on Randy. 20 plus years as a pastor, retired recently as director of Alternative Counseling Associations, and he's a man of the word. He hits the street with it. And we have Nick, who is known for a lot of things locally. He's the owner of United Fitness, and he's been training people, mind, body, and soul, for quite some time with a unique testimony. Good morning, guys. Good morning. morning. Thank you for being here. We have a really great episode in store for you guys. We are meshing into what we did last week on what we feel is one of the more relevant topics that a lot of people are blindsided by the reality of, and it's spiritual warfare. We're in hostile territory. Randy, tell us a little bit about spiritual warfare. What does the Bible say about it? What's your experience with it? I think, first of all, you got to recognize that you have an enemy because the church sometimes is in a position where they don't even know there is one. I think it was Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival said that uh, the church was at its lowest point when it neither acknowledged or believed in a personal devil or demons, and it functioned in its highest spiritual capacity when it recognized them and it dealt with them. So if you don't believe you have an enemy, then there's nothing to fight. And I guess if you do believe there is one, then you have to learn more about your adversary so that you know how to conduct warfare on him. Any good general knows his enemy well before he goes into battle. A lot of us don't know that there's an enemy there or we're led to believe that there's not an enemy there. Um, or, or he's a myth or a fairy tale yeah. or a fable. We were talking about TV off the air and we're talking about the different shows on TV that glamorize demons and demonology and witchcraft and all the rest of that. And I think what that does through the media is desensitizes people to the reality of it. And when they watch it on TV, they think, oh, it's just Hollywood. That's just movies. That's not real stuff. And if that's not real stuff, then there is no reality to demons or any kind of satanic power in the real spiritual realm in your day-to-day walk. Yeah, and I, I think of, you know, because of the sports background that I have, as far as, like, for instance, playing football, you know, if you don't know your opponent, if you're not studying film on, yeah. on that other team, mm-hmm. you know, how are you going to pick up on their strategies, their tendencies, and right. all these things? I mean, you want to strategize a game plan against them, yep. you know, before you go into the, the match. Right. So I, I totally agree with what you said. You know, knowing your opponent is, like, half the battle. So he has aware, he knows us. He's aware of us our weaknesses, our frailties, our sensitivities. He knows us well enough to know how to plan an attack on me to take me apart systematically. 
keyword being systematic because it's not a random attack on my life. It has a procedure and a process to taking me apart piece by piece and little by little. And what I've observed about satanic assaults in the world is that he has more of a long range plan than he has short choppy ones. His long range plan is like the systematic desensitization. It is a slow process of eroding away a believer in his faith life or a government standing in biblical principles or a marriage that is struggling. There's a process and it's little by little by little. In the Song of Solomon, it says that the little foxes spoil the vine. He doesn't come with a bombshell and drop it on me. It's a, it's a slow erosion process, I think, in our lives. Now, what about for the people who don't believe in the Bible, but they can understand this attack or these nightmares? Where did it start then for you with your walk with the Lord, realizing this battle's real and calling on his name? There's power there. When was there a difference? I'll I'll tell you a story, if I may. Spiritual warfare for me started after I became a Christian and was praying for a lot of my friends who were not saved. And I would come home from work, work in third shift. I'd get home around 7.30 in the morning and I would pray before I went to bed. One morning, I was on my knees next to my bed praying. And in my mind's eye, I could see my whole room filled up with demonic spirits. And these spirits started coming, approaching me, coming toward me. And one of them passed right through my body and out the other side. And it scared me. And I thought to myself, what should I do? And I thought, pray. And I, and then I answered myself and said, I am praying. What am I supposed to do? And then I heard the Lord say to me, command them to stop. And I argued with him and said, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. That's not something a believer is permitted to do. And I pray, you stop them. You're God. You're the one who does that. And these spirits just kept passing through my body and tormenting me with this until finally I took a chance and I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And the whole room just froze. Everything in that room stopped. And I was kind of shocked by that, that it worked. And so I thought to myself, well, do it again. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And I watched every one of those spirits file single file out of my bedroom and out the door. And the last one went out the door and then he he snuck his head back in around the corner and just looked at me as if he was waiting to see if I would doubt that or not. And I said one more time, in the name, and before I could say the whole phrase, the face disappeared. That was my first encounter with spiritual warfare and realizing there is a genuine enemy. I do have authority over that. I do have to exercise it. It's not something that God will do for me. It is something he has given me the power and authority to do in his name. That's an amazing story. I know I've heard that one before. You know, I grew up in a house where there was a lot of discomforts. It was a really old house and I get these feelings. Mm -hmm. And this is before I ever knew the Lord or knew the scriptures. I'm just like a young guy growing up, you know, out here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And it's an old house, historical house. And there used to be some creepy feelings there. Mm -hmm. And then stories and all this different stuff. And it's like you could feel something in the air. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that's going to resonate with them. That they, they feel anxiety, depression. Doctors, well, they have a medication for that. But the Lord has the remedy, yes. which is his word yes. and the power of his name. Yes. Open up your Bible. And if you're being tormented, call yeah. on the name of Jesus. Yes. You just heard a testimony for Randy. Nick, I know you got something to chime in at this point. I mean, what do you got to say about it? Yeah, well, I do know that I have wrestled in uh, my dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, that I have been attacked, sexually assaulted in my dreams, which 
Uh, most guys out there would probably want to entertain that, but mm -hmm. me being a born again Christian, you know, I wake up from something like that and feel very unclean. Mm -hmm. And and Ditto. talking with Randy and Rodney and a couple other believers, it's like, yeah, you know, that's an unclean spirit that is trying to assault you in your sleep. Yep. And and then come to find out, you know, from Randy and maybe you could touch on that a little more is you know the incubus and succubus spirits and you know I didn't know any of this, you know. You, you wake up and it's just like you're afraid to tell anybody about it because you're a little embarrassed and most people just chalk it up to uh, well you just had a wet dream and you know mm -hmm. move on you know mm -hmm. you're a guy you're supposed right, to happens. have that you know yeah. that's that's the common yeah. thread that I hear yeah. from people you know you're it's it's normal you know it's normal yeah. you're a guy uh, so I don't know if there's anything you wanted to touch on with that but I know I multiple times have been assaulted in my sleep. Yeah, we did talk about that one night at the round table about the incubus and succubus were demonic spirits that attack females and males and sexually assault them. And I think that we're in a time where more and more of those kind of demonic things are happening. I, I just think you're going to see more and more of that happening. And the converse of that is, I think we're going to see more angelic interventions and visitations happening as well as we're cranking down to the end of this age. I just think the supernatural is going to become more and more powerful and more and more ex expressive and expected by the body of Christ too. And I think we just have to have our hearts open and our minds open to these things happening and discerning them. Are they of God or aren't they? But be expecting those things to start to happen because as the enemy is amping up these things in the secular world, and again, I go back to media as a thermometer to measure the temperature where he's at, God's not going to stand by and let him run, run roughshod over the body of Christ or over humanity. So mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a whole lot more angelic interventions and visitations to us, and I hope we recognize them. Now, me and Danny were together this morning for coffee pretty early, and it's funny because we literally touched on that very topic. We were kind of coming to the realization the veil's thinning. Yeah. Maybe it's accelerating in the spiritual world. It's starting to boil, and it's starting to boil over. But also the veil's thinning. More people are becoming aware of it. Yeah. Believers and unbelievers were under heavy attack. Yeah. And even, Rod, if the demonic is being expressed more and more on television, I'm not going to shout that down because the Bible says, even the wrath of men shall praise him. Bring the demonic on. You're getting society prepared for something supernatural. Wow. But instead of it being negative, Jesus is going to come and show up by the Holy Spirit, which is supernatural, and people are going to say, whoa, whoa, this is supernatural too, but that's evil, and this is good. Wow, didn't know this was that real. I'm going to bring up Revelation 4 real quick. Now, we're laying the foundation for spiritual warfare and about how it would resonate with other people and a little bit of our testimonies, how it's affected us. This is what the Word says about spiritual beings. Mm. This is Revelation 4. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had the face of a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each one of them six wings about them and were full of eyes within. And they did not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. This is what the Bible says about a spiritual creature. So if that doesn't sound like something out of your favorite science fiction yeah, book absolutely. or movie, 
Absolutely. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. That's an ancient document. The Bible's an integrated message system from outside the dimension of time. And this is what God has to say about mm-hmm. creatures that exist in that realm. Mm-hmm. That's just one of them. Yes. That's yes. just one. So let's talk real quick, Randy, about the conception that people have with angels. We hear Ooh. cherubs, fat little babies with yeah, bow right. and arrow, right. feeding people grapes. <laughs> Hold on, what does the Bible say about angels? Well, I think in Ephesians 6 is where Paul gives the hierarchy of angels when he talks about thrones, dominions, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. There was a guy named Dionysius in the 5th century B.C., that studied angels, and he he mm. understood there to be three spheres where the angels were, and that there was a a hierarchy of angels, and he went through that whole thing and listed them in in order of their wow. uh, power or their responsibility, their rank, or... their rank exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really an interesting thing to read that most scholars that study angels today still agree with his assessment from the fifth century. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, but what I think happens from it is that we recognize that angels and the demonic realm as well, there are hierarchies and there's a divine order or system to it. It's not random. It's very ordered and organized Mm -hmm. and each has a function, a job, and something that they need to accomplish. One of the things really interesting too is that the word uh, in Hebrews 411 is it where he's given as ministering spirits there's angels who are ministering spirits that come Hebrews to minister 1 14 14 yeah, minister not all to... angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation yeah and the word sent to serve the greek word means to like wait on tables it's amazing if that is their purpose with us as wow. believers is to come and like wait on on the table they're here to serve that's here what they're here to do but yes there are those hierarchies I believe there are satanic hierarchies the same way. Psalms 91, 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Yes. And then we have cherubim and seraphim as well, which, and that's really now getting into it, you know, gives some descriptions. I know in Daniel, there's an archangel that comes to, right? Yeah. Help Daniel and intercede. He prays. The Lord hears his prayer on the first day, but 21 days he's fasting and and just praying. I guess he gets a messenger who says, listen, I was hindered. I was held up. And one of the big guys, Michael, had to come bust down that gate and get me through. We heard you on the first day. Right. Now, the good guys, I don't feel like, get enough spotlight. You know, the society, as the rate we're going, I always want to talk about vampires, demons, angels, all these different things, which to me are one and the same. They're coming out of the same camp. Of they just have yep. different imageries or, you know, characteristics with them. Yep. But what about the good guys? Let's talk about that breakthrough for a second. Coming from the good camp, the angels of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. They're all mentioned in the Bible. They all have a different function. They all have a different level of authority that mm. they, they work under. Uh, and to point your point in Daniel 11 there, it says that in that scripture that the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Yes, yes. Uh, 20, 20 days or 21 days so mm-hmm. that I couldn't get through to you. So it leads me to believe then that there are angelic beings that have power or authority over different geographical areas. Even the, the demoniac that Jesus uh, came up against that had the legion of demons in them, they said to him, don't make us leave our country or our Jew. Let us stay in this area. He said, okay, go into this one. So it makes me think that demonic beings and the angels have authority over geographical areas, nations of the world that they are responsible for 
the direction of those countries and of those leaders and of what they do and say. I mean, I think that's all part of it. Well, Psalms 8.5 says, You have made them a little lower than the angels. Mm. You have crowned them with glory and honor. We're like the apple of the eye from the mm. Lord, right? He creates us in his image, wonderfully and fearfully made. Now, these angels, that the bad ones, are obviously are against us with high levels of animosity, hatred, and unrestful desire for destruction. To unhinder us, to unhinge us, right? But there's also angels that have not sinned and fallen. Just like uh, when they're disputing over Moses' body. He says, look, the Lord rebuke you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even like get tongue with them. They're not wrestling out there in the desert. This angel who stands in the camp of God the Most High rebukes uh, Satan and says, look, Lord rebuke you. You know, we have advocates not only Jesus on the right hand of God advocating for us, interceding for us, but ministering spirits that each mm-hmm. have different job titles mm-hmm. out there making it happen. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I just recently came across a picture. I don't, I don't know who did it, but, um, you know, and it was a picture of this young guy just kind of walking down mm-hmm. uh, a city street and, and his head was down. It looked like his life was just like kind of in shambles and he yeah. was just depressed or something. But then all ar- around him were these angelic beings and these demonic beings that were fighting like... Literally like a gang, like a, a WrestleMania type of, you know, uh, scene. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, it looked in the picture like the guy didn't realize any of that was going on. But, you know, it's just a really, uh, I guess, unique description and picture of wow. what the reality is in the spirit realm. Like all that stuff is going on. Yeah. And so I guess my question is like for the non-believer, the person who doesn't believe in the Bible and all of this how can they make sense of these things? Like when you hear someone say, I just came down with a, some depression that I have no clue where it came from. I, my life is okay. Like I, I don't know where this is coming from. You know, how, how can these people make any, any sense of that outside of, you know, reading the Bible and all that? Like, how, how do you know? Well, I'm going to go into the addiction world with that. Rod and say this is that in addict in the field of addiction there is no spiritual component for the most part in secular treatment because they believe it's all biomedical it's all biochemistry and we just Mm. need to change the chemistry of the brain and then depression will go and anxiety and stress and all the rest of that will all be resolved through medication or what have you and the spiritual component's not even a piece of that so I think that's in a lot of ways that's an unbeliever's remedy to those kind of where did this depression go? Oh, it's just brain chemistry. We have to alter it. You know, mm-hmm. you need more melatonin in you or more whatever chemicals in you to alter that. And I think the success mm-hmm. rate or the failure of it in drug and alcohol treatment is because that spiritual component is not there the way it should be. In faith-based programs, you got a, a 67 to 85% success rate. And in secular programs, I'll give you 10%, but it's far less than that. And yeah. I think that's why. Because if you have the wrong diagnosis, then you treat treat it the wrong way, mm. you don't get the results. You don't never get well. No. It never fixes it. No. And I know, you know, you were um, a big proponent of us reading that, that book by Kirk Cup. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Which really shed some light on all this stuff as far as mental disorders and all that. And, yes. You know, maybe if you wanted to touch a little bit on that. Kurt Cup was, a, I think, a psychologist who did a lot of research and study on um, people with mental illnesses in about 60 different countries. And he was the first one to really relate 
satanic and demonic assaults on people's lives and their involvement in the occult and how that was linked together then with mental health issues, mental health issues that we would talk to about today, needing medication. He saw the link and he wrote two books that I, three or four of them actually, one of them was called Between Christ and Satan. The other one was called Occult Bondage. Mm-hmm. And there was another one, I forget the name of it, that I read about that too. But he's the only person, the only author that I've read that linked those together. And, and, and real quick, are these books still available that uh, people between, can, can purchase? Um, yeah, Between Christ and Satan, you can still get that. The author's name is Kurt, K-U-R-T, and his last name is K-O-C-H. Between Christ and Satan is out of print. You can buy it, but it's mm-hmm. very expensive. One of his other titles, though, I think it's called Occult Deliverance and Bondage, is available at a much le- a lower price that you could afford. We can't lose sight of the fact that we are in a battle, and the one who goes before us and the one who's conquered it all is the great I Am, mm-hmm. the one who resurrected from death. Jesus. Everything dies from a caterpillar to a wild buffalo and everything in between. Okay, Size and location, what you are doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. But he's the firstborn of the dead. He's the one who rose. The last uh, big thing I have to say before we kind of close and and just recap on a little bit of this. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way I tell you, therefore, is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When we turn from our wickedness and we've realized that we need a savior and that there's something more going on here. There's something more to the picture. There's a battle happening behind the scenes and there's energies that are colliding. There's a cosmic warfare taking place and you are the center of it. It's all about fighting for you. God has created us. He has called us and he has redeemed us. I hope that you guys will answer. Randy, is there any closing statements you want to give to the listeners tonight? The most important thing you can do is invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, and surrender yourself to him. Because when you do that, he becomes the protection of your life against these invisible forces that you may at this point know very little about. But he knows them. If you're covered by him and walking close and near to him, he'll teach you more about it. You'll gain more understanding, but in the meantime, he'll keep you protected. So if you don't do anything else or get anything else out of this today, get this one thing. If you'll just close your eyes for a minute and say, Jesus, I admit that I'm not perfect, which means I'm a sinner. I admit that. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I invite you to come into my heart and take over my life. I surrender it to you. And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into their heart today. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus has come into your life. He has forgiven you and you are now one of his children Walk with him, talk with him, and read his word. One thing that I just wanted to say, you know, for 
the believers out there is that the Lord does give us authority in the spirit realm. And I, I think that of that one verse, I don't know if it's in Colossians, uh, that we are seated in heavenly places when we were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We're seated uh, in that heavenly place mm-hmm. as a born again believer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we have authority you know, o- over these things. And it's just knowing the word of God, like Randy said, and uh, studying it, meditating on it day and night. And uh, that's a challenge. You know, I know for me that I get pulled away from that a lot, but, you know, we, we do have these uh, weapons of warfare that are not carnal, they're spiritual. And uh, we can make sense of these things as a believer in Christ that uh, we have that kind of authority in, in the days that we're living in, like Rodney said, is very hostile and mm-hmm. it's getting more and more intense. You could feel it in the air. It's building. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, coming to you from hostile territory in southeastern Pennsylvania, we thank you for being here tonight and God bless. Oh